If you don't know Marilyn Monroe's story, you might look at her from afar and think, wow, she had a great life, she was always smiling, she starred in big Hollywood movies. But if you take the time to do some research, you'll find out that her life was actually quite the opposite. It was very tragic. She was abused multiple times by many different men. She went through three marriages uh, through her childhood. She lived from foster home to from foster home, so she didn't have that kind of adult. She didn't have a family. She didn't have parents. Uh, I think her mother died when she was very very young, and uh, she was taken advantage of by many Hollywood executives. We, we we've heard stories of that before. Characters like Harvey Weinstein. These these terrible human beings that prey on innocent, naive uh, people that are trying to make it in this industry and they'll do anything it takes to get their foot in the door. And there's these terrible human beings like Harvey Weinstein and like some of these executives like Hugh Hefner, for example, that will prey on these young, innocent people and try and just get anything they can out of them. And unfortunately, Marilyn Monroe was a victim of that. And she had such a short life with us, she passed away at the age of 36. And her death in and of itself is still to this day quite a mystery. There's been many conspiracies that she was um, that she was drugged or, or some people say that she took her own life. But I was doing some research and I want to read an interesting little paragraph here from an article I was reading from, uh, uh, where did this come from? Um, historic new, uh, historicnewspapers.com. And it says, in 1964, Frank A. Capel published an 88-page pamphlet the Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe was the title of it. Dismissed for his personal distaste on the Kennedy relations and a stout anti-communist, Capel's investigation into Marilyn Monroe's death sparked controversy. The pamphlet outlines that Marilyn Monroe was involved with Robert Kennedy, who was the brother of John F. Kennedy, who Capel claimed were both alleged communists. The conspiracy entails Marilyn Monroe had supposedly had personal relations with Robert Kennedy, which externally led to his part in her death. Capel states that many heart attacks, accidental deaths, and suicides are murders controlled by the Communist Party, of which RFK, Robert F. Kennedy, was a part of, according to Capel. So this is obviously alleged, but a lot of people believe, and there's actually a lot of evidence to support that Robert F. Kennedy, in fact, had a very significant part in uh, Marilyn Monroe's death. I also want to read another uh, issue here kind of talking about Marilyn Monroe's you know some of the issues she dealt with her mental health issues and it said um, she was battling depression under the influence of drugs and medications she was often self-medicating to help deal with her issues which we all know that's not a healthy way to go about your problems uh, but she had really no one to turn to by the way that was just that's not part of the article that's just my my uh, my own thoughts but the article the article continues to go on it says Marilyn had previously attempted to take her own life twice which is tragic Many had believed that the attempted overdose was a cover-up due to the negligence of her two doctors. They had both prescribed medication to her, leading to a lethal and ultimately a tragic medical accident. So those are, I just kind of read, those are two different kind of um, conspiracies as to how she passed away. But, you know, bottom line, nobody has a concrete answer as to how she passed away. Um, and, and I think that's just her whole life in general. It does not sound very thrilling. Um, yeah, she was in Hollywood movies. She, you know, she got to meet a lot of famous people. But I mean, that's that's more for the media 
right? It sounds like her personal everyday life was a struggle. And Netflix is actually making a biopic. It's going to be one of their next original films, and it's titled Blonde. And Anna de Armas, who's one of the hottest up-and-coming actresses in Hollywood, she's going to be playing Marilyn Monroe. Now, it's pretty interesting because Anna de Armas, I think she, you know, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but I believe she's Brazilian. And I think she said that when she came to Hollywood, she couldn't speak a lick of English. And now she's obviously, she's obviously been trained and she can speak English now. And it seems like she's even hired uh, and, and received some dialect training because she's got the voice of Marilyn Monroe. We can hear that in the trailer. And I was very, very impressed with the trailer for the film Blonde. And uh, obviously, as I mentioned, it's a biopic of Marilyn Monroe's life. And I'm sure it's going to deal with some heavy subject matter. In fact, I think I heard rumors that uh, when they were editing this film, they had to remove certain scenes just because they were too dark. I don't even want to imagine, excuse me, what some of those scenes could have been. Um, but it's going to obviously deal with some very heavy subject matter. I think the film is rated NC-17, so it is, you know, it's pretty much an R rating. So there's obviously going to be some uh, very adult, uh, adult things happening in the film. But I, I'm overall though, I was very impressed. And this does not look like a Netflix original film. The quality. Now, granted. I, I understand. I'm not trying to be reactionary. I know that it was just a short one minute teaser, but. I'm seeing something very, very promising. Um, it looks to be the same quality of Basil Luhrmann's film, uh, the new one coming out, obviously his Elvis film coming out on Friday. I see very similar quality in terms of that. And one of the issues I've had with Netflix as a platform, and I've mentioned this before, is that I've been very apprehensive with a lot of their original content because I feel Netflix's priority has been on the amount of content they could produce each year rather than the quality of that content. I feel like they haven't given themselves enough time to fully flesh out these stories in these films. And we've just been getting these sort of mediocre kind of films with big stars to kind of pull us audience members in. But the films themselves, I feel like the quality has kind of suffered because of that. Now, granted, there have been some successes. Obviously, films like The Irishman, Don't Look Up, those films receive Oscar recognition. So not everything has been bad. And also, this is just my opinion. You could feel the complete opposite. You can feel that everything Netflix has done has been gold. I'll disagree with you there. But I think this film has the potential to be Netflix's best original film yet. And there's even been some rumors and reports that Netflix in the coming years is going to explore a sort of theatrical window, which they've never done that with any of their films We've seen that with a lot of other platforms like Paramount. Uh, we, we we see that with HBO Max, most famously doing it. And they've even been exploring that. We give our films a 45-day window, which is sort of standard now in today's era of Hollywood. And then it goes back to Netflix. And I think, well, I don't believe that will happen with Blonde because I, I don't think they've actually reached that stage yet. I think they're still very much in negotiations of that. I think this film, Blonde, would be an incredible first film to open up with a Netflix theatrical release. Give it that, you know, month and a half, or not even, a 45-day window. That's that's like, yeah, it's, it's I guess that's like a month and a half. Give it that 45-day window. I think that could really benefit because we do know that Netflix financially has been struggling. So I, I definitely think exploring that theatrical release might actually benefit the platform uh, more than hurt it. Um, but overall, I'm very excited, very looking forward to this film. Anna Darmus looks very much like Marilyn Monroe. As I mentioned, she has the dialect down. 
And uh, and you know, honestly, I'm a sucker for these biopics, right? It, it should, we 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 often see uh, the behind the scenes of how these celebrities were living their lives, and it's often very uh, tragic. But then it all but then it shows how they triumph from that. But I mean, with Marilyn Monroe, unfortunately, there was not a happy ending with her story, and uh, I hope that they. They deal with her story in the film and give it the integrity it deserves. And I hope they don't, you know, glorify it and things like that. But let me know what you guys think. Are you excited for this film, Blonde, the newest Marilyn Monroe biopic? Um, do you not care? Do you think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little too late? Let me know what you think in the comments below. But I'm very excited, so. So on to the next headliner, I'm going to be discussing, I guess you can call this my review of Lightyear. Now, if you haven't checked it out already, I did an out of theater reaction. So be sure to check that out. Gave my quick thoughts, my initial thoughts. But now I've, you know, I've digested the film. I've processed it. And uh, my, my thoughts mostly haven't changed. I thought it was a really good film. However, I think it is slightly overrated because I'm still hearing people discuss how, you know, it's, it's, it's the best animated film in the last 10 years and so on and so forth. And I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with that. Now, like I said, that does not mean just because the film, because there's been a lot of people saying how this deserves a best picture nomination. I 1000% think that is overreacting at its finest. However, that's just my opinion. There are people that, you know, genuinely feel like that. And if you do feel like that, that's your opinion. I respect it, but I think that's, um, I think that's a stretch. Now, the film is quite good. And one of the things I appreciated is that it didn't heavily rely on the nostalgia of people, you know, from my generation, millennials, of relying on people's nostalgia from the Toy Story films. The only reference to Toy Story is right at the beginning. Right before the film starts, you're presented with text on screen. And I mean, this isn't really a spoiler. I think most people understand this. You're, pre you're presented with a text that says... This was his favorite movie to watch. Boom, that's it. That's all it took. And that, that, that's the only reference you get to Toy Story. Because this film itself isn't, isn't a Toy Story spinoff. It's not a Toy Story reboot. It's showing the story of the Buzz Lightyear toy, right? Because, you know, Buzz Lightyear, the toy that we saw in the Toy Story films, is just the merchandise for this film that we're watching right here, Lightyear. And... One of my favorite shows and podcasts to watch is the John Campy show. I've talked about it many times on that on, on this podcast here. And one of the hosts of the show, Chris Carr, she's a voice actress, and she explains how often what will happen is that with these big budget films, you know, whether it's a Marvel film or some other kind of film, and there's merchandising involved, it's very rare that the actors from the film will do the voice work for the toys. So it kind of makes sense that Tim Allen was the voice actor for the Buzz Lightyear toy in Toy Story. And then we have Chris Evans doing the voice of the actual character from the film. Because a lot of people were asking, oh, why can't we see Tim Allen back? Like, it actually kind of makes sense that it's a different voice actor. It separates the toy from the film, making it even make a lot more sense if you really kind of sit back and think about it. And I've heard a lot of people immediately saying they want a, uh, we want a Woody film. Now, here's the difficulty with that though. And I, I might, this might sound like I'm contradicting, you know, my thoughts on what I just said about separating the voice actor with the toy. It's, it's different with Tom Hanks because Tom Hanks as Woody has such an iconic voice that I think it would be not impossible, but I think it's going to be very difficult to find a different voice actor to play Woody because 
it's different with Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. I can look, or well, not look, I can hear and watch Chris Evans do the voice acting for Lightyear, but I think it'll be a lot more difficult for audiences to kind of grasp having a different voice actor do Woody if they decided to do a Woody spinoff. I don't think that's even going to happen. I think it's probably just going to be Lightyear. And in fact, I think they're building up, actually, that's, I was about to say a spoiler. I'll kind of, I won't say that, but um, overall though, you know, back to the main topic, I think it was a solid Pixar film. I thoroughly enjoyed it much more than Turning Red. I thought Turning Red to me was just not a very good Pixar film. And uh, it, it took place in Toronto. So that was, you know, that was kind of cool to see. It was very much um, like even the streets and all that looked very, very similar. So it seems like they did their homework geographically. And it looks very much like Toronto besides just throwing in the Rogers Dome and the CN Tower. The streets look very similar. You see TTC buses and all that. But anyways, I'm getting besides the point. Um, so yeah, it didn't heavily rely on nostalgia at all, which is something that a lot of these uh, reboot spinoff films fall prey to. Um, even Top Gun, to a slight degree, relied a little bit too heavily on nostalgia. Now, it is worth noting, I have not seen the original, but I've seen breakdowns and videos how many scenes are often shot exactly the same in Top Gun Maverick to represent and reflect those same scenes from the first Top Gun. And, you know, nostalgia is fine. Like, I'm a fan of nostalgia, don't get me wrong, but I think if there's just too much, I feel like the film is almost just trying to, at that point, repeat the past rather than tell an original new story while kind of, you know, retaining certain characters from the past franchises and the past films. That's how I feel. Um, but overall, Lightyear was a solid movie. A little bit overrated, but I personally thought it was still a pretty charming film. A very emotional film. I mentioned this in my out of theater reaction. There was a couple of scenes that I was actually choking up. And I won't say, you know, I won't say what, you know, um, but because that'll be a spoiler. But watch the film and you'll know what I'm talking about. If you have seen Lightyear, let me know what you think. Did you think the film was, was great? Did you think it was amazing? Or did you not enjoy it? Let me know in the comments below. So for the next headliner, I'm going to be discussing Kevin Feige's recent quotes in an interview where he was sharing how us fans can expect some pretty big announcements, sort of giving a little glimpse as to the direction of the MCU moving forward. And I'm very, very excited for that. Now I'm going to read the quote from the interview that I'm talking about. This comes from Kevin McHale of Collider. And Kevin Feige said, quote, as we're nearing the end of phase four, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going. I don't, I think there have been many clues already that are at least apparent to me, Kevin Feige was saying, of where this whole saga is going, but we'll be a little bit more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan. So audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more of the roadmap, Feige said. Now that right there, I think these announcement, these announcements are going to shut up the people that are saying nothing is connected, phase four is just filler. No, like I get it. If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. But if you're if if you're trying to state that it's fact that nothing is connected, I've talked about many times that that's just simply not correct. And the evidence is there to support it. And I think once we get these announcements of these newer projects, I think we're as Kevin Feige said, I think we're gonna get a glimpse into okay, this is the direction that they're going. This makes sense. Um, and then you know I've talked about how well actually I haven't talked about this, but uh, Disney. What is it called again? Yeah, Disney 23, D23. That is the the big 
event that Disney does that Disney does every year, usually around September, October, and they'll you know announce many different projects for Pixar films, Marvel films, Star Wars films. And I think when Kevin Feige says in the coming months we can expect announcements, I think he's referring to D23. Now, as for what announcements can we expect to see, I made a little list here of different films that we that are potentially on the table to be announced. Um, some I think are almost guaranteed. Some we've even already heard of, but I think we'll even uh, hear more details about it. Where you know whether it has to do with cast members, directors, possibly even some footage. But here's the list. Now I'm going to start with the first film on here, Avengers: Secret Wars. Now it's on my list. However, I don't think it's likely. Now, let me tell you why. Usually, you know, if history is an indicator, they don't ever really announce Avenger films at these, you know, Disney events. It's it's happened before, but it's not it's not likely and it hasn't happened many times before. That is something that they usually save for an event like Comic-Con, for example, one of the biggest fan nerd events out there. <laughs> um, and I think that Secret Wars will not only be one film, but I think it will be a trilogy of films, or at the very minimum, two. So I think that's something they want to announce at a San Diego Comic-Con, for example. However, it's still possible. I'm gonna, I am give it like a 10% chance we hear something about it. Um, they might reference that as a direction, but in terms of the names of the films, the dates of the films, I think that's an announcement they're probably going to be saving for San Diego Comic-Con. Now, these films, I think, are actually likely. Fantastic Four, I think that's almost a given. We've even heard rumors and reports that uh, it was actually listed on IMDb, but it was taken down. We uh, That we've seen the actor now who's going to be playing Invisible Woman is the actress from the first season of You. I think uh, she played the, uh, the Beck character. And uh, beyond You, I haven't really seen her in anything else, but she's a very talented performer. And they also listed briefly, as I mentioned, they took it down, but they listed the actor who's going to be playing the Human Torch. And both of these actors and actresses, they're very young. So that kind of leads me to believe that John Krasinski is not going to be our Reed Richards moving forward. I think his portrayal, his short but sweet portrayal of Reed Richards in Multiverse of Madness, I think was supposed to represent a older, more uh, more grizzled veteran version of Reed Richards, a guy that's been through the ringer, been through it all. So I think that if we're led to believe through these IMDb listings that were taken down, if we're going with a more younger Human Torch and a more younger Invisible Woman, I think we could probably expect to see a even younger Reed Richards. So Fantastic Four, I think is very likely. Deadpool 3, I think is almost a given. Uh, the writers have been talking about how they have, they've been hard at work writing this film. They've got the branding down. Uh, they've got, you know, the general story down. So I think we could definitely expect to see a Deadpool 3 announcement. Uh, the next one, X-Men. Hmm. Kevin Feige said back in 2019 at that Comic-Con, once they acquired the rights to all the Fox characters, he said he had a five-year plan to, in, to introduce the mutants and more specifically the X-Men. We're approaching that five-year mark. So I think it is likely that we could see either an X-Men announcement or at the very least something related to mutants besides Deadpool, obviously, because he's a mutant. Next one I think is going to happen is uh, the Daredevil series. That was, I think that was reported by Variety that there is an official Deadpool series in the works. And I think we'll probably not only get an announcement officially from Marvel of the Deadpool series, but I think we'll probably get an announcement of the cast members beyond Charlie Cox. Because there's been a lot of rumors that, 
okay, we have Charlie Cox returning to play Daredevil, but will we get the uh, actors and actress that played Karen Page and Feige, er, and, uh, is that his name? Fe- Feige? Foley? I can't remember, but it's uh, Matt Murdock's best friend, the other lawyer, his lawyer partner. Is it going to be the same actors or is it going to be different actors playing those characters? Is it going to be in the same world or is it going to be kind of a soft reboot? I think we're going to get those answers for that. Uh, next, I think we're, we could possibly get some Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania footage. Now, we do know that the film's wrapped. I think they even moved up the release to even closer to now because I think the film is ahead of schedule. So I think there's definitely potential for that. And we know that Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror is going to be the main protagonist of that film. So I think we might even get some, uh, as I mentioned, maybe in our first teaser of that film, possibly. I think, I believe it comes out uh, in February, I think, of next year, right around my birthday. Either that or I think it comes out towards the summer. Um, Next, a Nova Disney Plus series. Now, it was reported, I think, either by Variety or Deadline that that is officially in the works. Now, they didn't say Disney Plus series, but they said a Nova project is in the works. But I think think it's probably going to end up being a Disney Plus series. And there's even been some reports that John C. Riley is going to reprise his role from Guardians of the Galaxy because he was a main member of the Nova Corps. And we do know that the Nova Corps was destroyed by Thanos. And I think most of the show is going to be showing that story take place. We might even see Thanos again. We'll definitely hear about him again. Um, So yeah, Nova series, definitely think that's a possibility. Uh, My last two, a Shang-Chi sequel. We do know that Daniel... uh, Daniel Creston, I think is the name of the director. He is going to be coming back to direct not only the sequel for Shang-Chi, but also a Ten Rings series. So we might even hear something about that as well. Um, Because, I mean, I imagine we're probably going to see that sequel for the film and even that show in Phase 5. So, And then lastly, uh, I think we're going to get Marvel's official announcement of the Thunderbolt show. Once again, a Variety reported that the Thunderbolts film is in development. They've they've got their director Jack Schreier or Jake Schreier rather. So I think Marvel is officially going to give their word on that. That hey, this film is happening. Um, but let me know: are there films on this list that I missed? Do you agree with all these, or do you think that we're not going to see the majority of these? And then there's other films that you think we could see get announced. Let me know. I mean, we we might even get. I think. Mm, no, well, no, that doesn't make, I was going to say we're going to get a Wakanda Forever announcement, but I, I mean, that film, that film at that, at that point in September, we would have already got a couple trailers for Wakanda Forever. So yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited. I, I think that a lot of the people that don't believe, you know, phase four is going in one direction. I think a lot of people think it's been non-linear. It's been going in, it's been going left and then it's been going right. It's been going straight. I think we're going to get a lot of the answers once we get these announcements. And I've been saying for a while, we need to be patient. We need to let things play out. Kevin Feige discussed, so he's got the next 10 years of this saga moving forward. So he knows exactly what's happening. I'm sure he probably sits back in his seat, laughs his ass off when he hears people say that, I don't know what's happening. Well, I mean, of course you don't. You, you haven't even seen, you haven't even seen all the movies. You haven't seen all the stories play out. But anyways, let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Are you excited for these announcements? What do you think we're going to hear? Let me know in the comments below. Now, the next headliner is going to be about Joker 2, otherwise known as right now as Joker Folie Adieu. Part of my French, I, if I mispronounce that. And, you know, I, I discussed a couple weeks ago how there's been a lot of speculation on what that title could mean because it, it, it's referring to another person sharing delusional thoughts and delusional ideas. 
from the other from it's basically two people sharing delusional you know ideas and thoughts and 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 and, and so almost like sharing a psychosis so a lot of people have been speculating who's that who's this other person going to be and i talked about how i don't think it's 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 as obvious as people think like i don't think it's going to be harley quinn i don't think it's going to be batman i think we're i think it's going to be something more um uh, unpredictable something that we didn't expect but I was wrong. I was very wrong because, in fact, we have now from the Hollywood Reporter that Lady Gaga is in early talks to join Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips. But this is where it gets interesting. In musical sequel. You heard me correctly. The new Joker sequel to the Joker film that made over a billion dollars. Oscar winner Joaquin Phoenix for best actor. That film. It's a sequel. Now, let me address that for a second because I'm not one of these people that, you know, I hear the word musical and then I just cringe. I actually, I, I've been coming around on musicals. I used, I used to kind of be one of those people that wasn't the biggest fan of musicals. But last year was, was particularly the year that I actually really started to find enjoyment in musical films like um, Tick, Tick, Boom in West Side Story, I thought West Side Story should have won Best Picture. It was one of my favorite films last year. So I am a fan of uh, of musicals. So it's not that I, it's not that I don't think this could be good as a musical. But I will admit I am a little bit disappointed to hear that it is a musical, be, just because of what we saw with that first film. I think they should they should use that as a stepping stone and as a building block and build upon that. And I know that they will, but they're doing it in a direction that I just. I can't help but feel a little bit disappointed that they're not going to continue to kind of go in that, you know, direction that we all kind of thought they were going to do and just, you know, continue to tell another story and they will tell another story, but it's going to be more, uh, I mean, it's hard to say because I obviously, we haven't seen anything. I'm going to reserve judgment until we obviously see a trailer and then we see the film. So this could be really, really good. And you know what? I'm going to try to remain optimistic. But just my initial thoughts to hearing this news that it, it was a musical. I was a little bit disappointed to hear that. However, this could still be incredible. And this could still be better than the first Joker. We have no idea. But let's get back to Lady Gaga. I want to talk about her for a second as an actor. Um, we all know her as the musician and the performer. She's obviously won many awards, Grammys, and so on. We all know her. Uh, and that sort of side of entertainment. But her as an actor. I'm a huge fan of Lady Gaga as an actor. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of her. As far as I'm concerned, I think she's two for two right now. Meaning two for two is in her performances. Because she was in um, A Star is Born. Which um, I thought was an incredible film. Her and Bradley Cooper's chemistry was just amazing. And then I really enjoyed her in... Uh, uh, House of Gucci. And I think I enjoy that film more than most people that I spoke to. A lot of people were disappointed in that film. I thought she was fantastic. I think her and Adam Driver were my favorite characters in the film. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, I think Lady Gaga has had a very successful transition from the music industry to the film industry. And uh, I think she's an incredible performer. And I have no problem with her being Harley Quinn. I'm actually a big fan of that casting. And, you know, I talked about how I didn't expect Harley Quinn to be in this film. I think that was just almost like too much of an obvious choice. But I guess they're doing that. And if they're going to go with Lady Gaga, she's she's in the media right now. She's been talked about a lot. She's obviously, she, she's 
been very successful, as I mentioned. I think she's a great choice, so I have no problems there. The, the only part that I had to, I was scratching my head out a little bit was the fact that this is a musical. But like I said, I'm going to try and remain optimistic until I see some actual footage for the film. Uh, but let me know what you guys think. Do you think that this will turn out to be even better than the first? Are you a little bit apprehensive that this is a musical rather than sort of continuing with that cinematic version that we saw in the first film? Now, of course, it is going to be cinematic in this, but with a sort of different approach. And are you a fan of Lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn? Uh, do you, would you rather have seen another actress? Um, obviously, they weren't going to go with Margot Robbie because this isn't a part of the DC Cinematic Universe, if there even is a DC Cinematic Universe at this point. Um, but let me know what you guys think in the comments below. So for the next headliner, we're going to transition from films for a little bit, and we're going to talk about the Warriors winning the NBA championship for this 2021-2022 NBA season. Now, first of all, Steph finally got his well-overdue finals MVP. I've talked many times to many of my friends that, and I think most people that I speak to about this subject agree with me, that Steph should at least have, already have, one finals MVP and that one obviously being the first championship that they won. I believe Andre Iguodala had no business winning that finals MVP. He apparently got it for his defense against LeBron, even though LeBron literally averaged damn near a triple-double while averaging over 30 points a game. Uh, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. His defensive play against LeBron. LeBron was the only thing keeping that team together, considering that Kyrie and Kevin Love were injured in that series. So... I, I think that was utter bullshit, for lack of a better word, that Andre Iguodala got that over Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry absolutely should have two finals MVPs right now. However, we have to acknowledge that he didn't. So this is his first one, and I think that's the only thing missing from his career was that finals MVP. So now, people are having discussions. Where does Steph rank all time? And I'm going to give you my list. And I'm, in fact, I'm going to give you my updated top 10 list. And I'm going to tell you where Steph Curry fits in there. But before we continue, I want to know your top 10 list. Do you think Steph is even a top 10 player? Do you think he's even top 20? I think you're, I think you'd be kind of crazy to, to not at least have him in top 20. But let me know in the comments below. But let's get into my list here. Uh, my top 10. Number 10, I got Tim Duncan, Mr. Fundamental, five-time champ. Uh, number 9, I got Bill Russell, of course. Uh, he played in an era... That was uh, very far and, and, and distant, not an era that I was certainly around in. Uh, my, my, my folks, my parents weren't even alive at that time. So, But I can acknowledge the history and, and what he was able to accomplish in that time of the NBA. 11 championships, that's obviously it's not something you could sneeze at. Number eight, Larry Legend, Larry Bird. Um, I love the actor that played him in the Winning Time series. I think like... Obviously, I'm, you know, overall, a lot of people have said that that series really did kind of glorify some of the events that happened. And uh, I, I can certainly believe that because I don't feel, while I enjoy the performance of Larry Bird in Winning Time, I feel like Larry Bird wasn't that much of an asshole. But then again, I could be wrong. So Larry Bird, three-time champ, the last uh, NBA player to have three, to win three consecutive league MVPs. Um, he still holds that record. Nobody's beaten that yet. Uh Number seven, I now have Steph Curry, four-time champ, two-time finals MVP. The only MVP to be won unanimously, unanimously, yeah, I think unanimously, unanimous MVP. Um, 
And of course, now he's got that finals MVP, four-time champ. He's just a fantastic player. He's literally changed the game of the NBA. As big as a LeBron fan I am, and I still think he is the best player of all time. Spoiler, he's my number one. Um, I can even admit that you even you, we've even seen LeBron James add the three-point shot to his game to compete with Steph Curry because Steph Curry has changed the game and made guys that you maybe not have seen shoot threes as much earlier in their career. They've now developed a at least formidable three-point shot that at least kind of considers them a threat. So defenses have to move up. And that's why we're seeing a lot of teams now that just play five out. Five out mean, meaning five beyond the arc. Guys that you can you can throw to in the corner. Or even your 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 big now, your 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 five man. Most guys in the NBA, if you're if you're gonna be a center, you at least gotta have some kind of three-point shot. So and I think that's all attributed to Steph's uh, dominance from that era of the or from that area of the court. So he's literally changed the game and he's making where we're seeing kids online that are up and coming in AAU. They're literally taking these ridiculous shots because they want they want to try their best to be like Steph Curry. So of course Steph Curry from a cultural impact from a, from from you know a fundamental standpoint, this guy has had an incredible impact on the game of basketball and you have to recognize that. So number seven, Steph Curry. Number six, Magic Johnson. Um, I think he's the only player in NBA history to to win a championship as a rookie, but not only as a rookie, but he also won Finals MVP. So what an incredible way to you know walk into the NBA. You win a championship and you win Finals MVP, and he's he was an All Star that year too. Um, five time champ, of course, as we all know. Number five, Kobe, also a five time champ. Um, you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. I, I He's one of my favorite players to watch on my pastime. Like, when I play basketball, like, let me tell you, I'm not good at basketball. I'm not I'm not good at all, to be quite honest with you. But I love playing the sport just for fun. It's a nice, uh, it's almost like my therapy. It's a great way for me to clear my head. And whenever I'm playing, I always try my best to kind of imitate the dream shake, you know, fadeaway shot that Kobe, you know, had, you know. Well, he didn't create the shot. MJ had that shot. But I, th- I think Kobe kind of, like, took that and then you know, made it his own. And uh, I love watching his highlights. Number three, wait, what are, let me get myself situated here. Oh, sorry. Number four, Shaq. Uh, I think this was tough because I, I was swapping him and Kobe at that 5-4 spot. I just think like, well, Shaq wasn't the, didn't have the mentality that Kobe did and that sort of, that work ethic, that approach to the game. You can't ignore how unguardable he was there was not a single soul on the planet earth that could stop this guy in the post he was just too big too strong just too dominant yeah Kobe had more championships but I think I if I if I had to pick between him and Kobe if I had one roster spot left I think I would go uh, with Shaq uh let me see here now let me see let me see okay so number three was number four was Shaq number three Kareem Abdul-Jabbar I mean, some people can even make a strong case that Kareem is the best player of all time if you look at just his resume itself. Uh, six championships. I think he was a one-time league MVP when he played with the Bucks. Uh, multiple-time finals MVP. I mean, he's still the all-time leading scorer. Uh, so, I mean, the resume is there. The accolades are there. However, I'm, I've always been somebody that says I, I don't think you should solely rely on the accolades. You have to consider them. Obviously, you can't ignore them. Um, but I, I don't think that that is sort of the end-all, be-all as justification for where you rank all-time. Uh, number two, I got MJ, Michael Jordan, what most people cons- who most people consider to be the GOAT. Totally respect that, but he's not mine. You all know mine. That is the man, LeBron 
James. So that's where I think Stan, uh, Steph. I was, about to, I was about to say Stank. I don't know why. That is where Steph ranks uh, on all on my all time list. But let me know what you guys think. I'm curious. You know, where do you think this? Do you think this this recent championship and this Finals MVP? Do you think this elevates Steph in any way in terms of you know what he's done? I think he was already an all time. He wasn't in my top ten before. He was certainly in my top twenty. But now after this championship, I throw him in my top ten for sure. Um, if he wasn't in, he, he might have been hovering at that ten spot, but. Like before he won this championship of the finals MVP. But now that he's got it, he's certainly uh, at that seventh spot for me. But let me know what your list is in the comments below. So for the last headliner here, I'm going to be discussing the new Barbie film. Yes, I am. I'll just say it. I don't care. I am really fucking excited for this film. If you look at the cast and the thing that actually really excites me the most beyond the cast of, you know, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Simu Liu is actually the director. I'm a huge fan of Greta Gerwig and I was really surprised to hear that she was going to be directing this film because if we look at her films, you know, she, she's most notably known for obviously like Lady Bird, Little Women, Nights and Weekends. And those are great films, but those are very different. Those are more coming of age stories. And I think that that's where she's really shined. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of not only herself, but her husband, who's also an incredibly talented filmmaker, Noah Baumbach. Um, I think his film, Marriage Story, is, is one of many films on my list that have truly inspired me to want to get in this industry as an actor. Uh, I thought that film was a masterpiece, to be quite honest with you. You know, I've talked about how Netflix has had a lot of misses. Um, Marriage Story is certainly one of the hits. And I think, you know... Unless Blonde can be better, and I think it has the potential to be their best film, as I mentioned earlier, I think right now my favorite Netflix film still remains with uh, Marriage Story. But anyways, I'm a huge fan of Greta Gerwig. And originally, this whole Barbie film, I didn't care about it because uh, originally, I think Amy Schumer was supposed to be the director, and she was going to star in it. And like it just sounded like it was going to just be this like satire Barbie film, but... This, however, with a completely new director, completely new cast. I mean, as I mentioned, Ryan Gosling playing Ken, Simu Liu, who's of course Shang-Chi. Uh, and then you have Margot Robbie, who I think is probably the best choice to play to play Barbie at this point. So I'm really fucking excited. And they've, released, they've been releasing photos of uh, Margot Robbie as Barbie. And they released a photo of Ryan Gosling as Ken. And I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, bro, isn't that so funny with Ryan Gosling's CGI abs? And I'm like... Dude, those aren't CGI. This is fucking Ryan Gosling. Dude is, he's been in good condition his whole career. The dude's jacked. Uh, not the thirst over Ryan Gosling or anything like that, but I think he's an incredible actor. And for the first time, I watched one of his films recently called uh, A Place Beyond the Pines with him and Bradley Cooper and his wife in the film as well. I can't remember her name, but that's a really good film. You should you should, uh, you should check it out. He pretty much, uh, you know, he, he's down on his luck. He's trying to support his family. He's got a son and a girlfriend and he has no money. So he starts kind of robbing banks. And for a while, he's pretty successful until one day it just goes terribly wrong and he gets caught and then he gets killed. And yeah, I'm not going to spoil the whole film, but certainly check it out. So yeah, I, I'm really, really excited for this. And I think the photos that have been coming out, you know, they, uh, they look like it's, you know, it's, it's teasing a pretty promising, fun, um, but also I think there's going to be some, some, some emotional beats in this film. I think that not a lot of people could be expecting. And apparently the plot itself, uh, oh yeah. And then we also have Will Ferrell, who's playing like the, uh, the CEO of whatever the merchandising company of the Barbie toy. So the cast just sounds incredible. And apparently there's going to be multiple Kens in this film. You have Ryan Gosling, you have Simu Liu, and then 
apparently a couple other Kens. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the story of this is going to be, but I'm in uh, just the director itself. I think anybody else, like, like if they stuck with that original vision of Amy Schumer, I wouldn't have cared about this film and I, I probably would have just passed on it, but I'm really, really excited to see this film. Uh, but let me know what you guys think. That is going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, a little bit shorter. The only issue with, with these podcasts, and I love doing them, but when you're doing a solo podcast on your own, it's hard to kind of talk beyond that 45-minute mark, at least for me. I've done many episodes that are over an hour long, but you really kind of have to have like a lot to talk about because I'm not just going to sit here and talk about nothing, right? I need kind of, I need substance to go off of. I need topics and just for my own mouth, my own voice, you guys have no idea, but when I'm done these podcasts, I don't like want to talk for like two hours because my voice is just drained. So, you know, I try my best to hit like the hour limit, but I'm not going to like force out some shitty quality. So usually 40 minutes is where these podcasts, you know, 40 to 45 minutes is where these podcasts sit around. Because, you know, if you don't have someone sitting across from you or there's just not enough topics, it's kind of hard to talk for, you know, over an hour long. Uh, but I hope you guys can understand. Um, but yeah, let me know what you guys think. Do you even care about this Barbie film? Uh, or are you excited like me? Let me know in the comments below. That's going to wrap up episode 31 of Unbashful. If you've stuck around for this long, I want to thank you for watching. And I also want to say, if you don't have time to sit here and watch me ramble on about movies, but you still want to listen, you can on any audio platform of your choice, whether that's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcast and listen to your content, you'll find me on there. You just type in Unbashful and you'll see the logo. It's uh, it's a black logo with uh, the red mic, yellow and red text saying Unbashful with a sort of volume, like white lines illustrating that I'm talking into the, into the mic. So you'll see that there. Click follow, subscribe, and uh, I hope everybody has a great day. I wish you happiness and everything in between. I'll see you on the next one.